Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right, my friends. You've tuned in to America's Home for Conservative, Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. It's a pleasure to be here as we wrap up. Wrap up, what is this, the second full week of January in the new year? So time does not slow down one bit. Welcome to the program. We want to talk today. I want to start with... The Supreme Court ruling um, pertaining to Biden's now unconstitutional, at least partially unconstitutional, vaccine mandates. Vaccine mandates for businesses with 100 or more employees. By the way, I should say to email, did I say that? Email Todd at ToddFShow.com with questions, comments, adoration, praise, whatever whatever you find appropriate. Anyway, let's talk here about this mandate. So the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court met, had hearings, and came to a ruling on the constitutionality of forcing employers with 100 or more employees to get their staff, their employees, vaccinated or force them to submit. And yes, I deliberately deliberately use the word force because folks, I wish more people would understand this. Government is force ultimately. When something is codified, when something is made into law, it is there's no more option. There's no more choice. And before I get too far down this path with with mandates, that's why the founders wanted one of the reasons why the founders wanted a limited government. We are created to live our lives freely, to have choice, to do with our lives, with our bodies, what we desire, you know, set our own priorities, make our own choices, pursue the careers or the type of lives that we want. You may think that something in the neighbor does is crazy and vice versa, right? I mean, this is just the way that it is. You might think that people who sell their homes and travel the country in fifth wheels <laughs> like we have are crazy. And you'd probably be right, at least as it pertains to this particular family. But anyway, that's what freedom is about, though. It's the freedom to be able to choose to do something that one feels really strongly about or, heck, even partially. Maybe maybe they're just exploring. Maybe they don't feel strongly about certain things. But the opportunity to make one's own decisions is is paramount. I mean, this is, this is even from a biblical perspective, I mean, we are created. We are created to have choice. We are created to be free. And the Bible has a lot to say even. I don't want to turn this into a sermon on you on a Friday here, but the Bible has a lot to say about freedom. We, Christ wants to set us free. And I'm not saying there, there's different there's different types of freedom. You know, the freedom to not be under the control of government and the freedom from sin and the penalty of death, that's that's paid for on the cross by Jesus. So I'm not saying that 
that that's associated with this. But I am saying, I am saying that the the cho- choice is fundamentally important to what it means to be made in the image of God, right? It doesn't mean that everything's permissible or everything is good from a Christian perspective or biblical perspective, but the government comes in and and it's designed to protect freedom, but also to protect people, people from literal harm inflicted upon them by the choices of others. Have you, as you've heard me say on this program before, as you, if you're old enough, you would have heard this in school, if you had a good teacher, something like this, my freedom to swing my arm ends where your nose begins. And so if my arm, I can you know, metaphorically spin in circles, swinging my arms, doing all sorts of things that someone else doesn't like, but as long as I'm not hurting them, and by that, I don't mean hurting their feelings. I don't mean offending them in some way, right? I mean, the, the founders and, and even the true definition of freedom doesn't care about that stuff, right? It, I mean, from a biblical perspective, we're told not to give people uh, any ammunition to come up and say things bad about us. So we have to think about the impact of our choices. But there shouldn't, someone doesn't have the right to tell you not to do something simply because they don't like it. And it shouldn't be that way. They're, life, liberty, property, right? Unless, unless something that another person is doing is literally affecting someone's life, liberty, property, then we should, by and large, be leaving that alone. Now, if the person, this is where I think personal persuasion comes in, individuals, churches, people of faith, heck, people who are atheists and have other faiths, you can engage and try to persuade and try to get someone to use their freedom, you know, to, to get them to, to make other choices with their freedom, but to take away the freedom, to take away the freedom is a very, just a bad, bad thing. And so, our government is set up to have limited, as few, what do I want to say, as few opportunities as possible for the for government or politicians to step in and to take away your your freedoms. And this one, when it comes to the Supreme Court case in particular, with this, uh, well, to Biden's virus mandate, a vaccine mandate, I should I should say, uh, against the COVID. 19 virus or against the coronavirus which causes COVID-19 um, it becomes it becomes problematic on, on a lot of levels first of all even if it is something that the government wants to decide not take away whether they should be infringing upon liberties here just for a moment just for the sake of discussion I'm not saying it doesn't matter in the big scheme of things I think it matters tremendously but let's just table that, push that to the side for the moment. When you, when government seeks to remove the individual's choice and liberty, there's first of all the question whether they sh- they should and can be doing it to begin with. But there's also a proper process. And for a guy with his cell phone and his pen, as Obama told us back in 2000, whatever it was, 2010, 12, whatever, still able to get a lot of things done because he had his cell phone and his pen. Um, that's that's a dangerous way for a government to operate. Our government, it was deliberately set up by our founders to have three separate but equal branches. And we've kind of seen a little bit of that play out here because you had the executive branch, Joseph R. Biden, 
write an executive order that impacted, did I read 80 million people would have been impacted by this? Eight zero, 80 million people, I believe is what I read, that were impacted by or would have been impacted by this vaccine mandate. Um, and the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, because a challenge had been brought to the court regarding the constitutionality of that decision or of that executive order, of that mandate, the court sat down and basically decided by a six to three margin. So keep in mind, keep in mind what, you know, that's, as modern cases go, that's a pretty um, solid margin. Now you still, I didn't get any of the liberals to budge and you still have the problem, which I was talking with Oz about this before before the show. Was this a good ruling or or a bad ruling? Because there's really two rulings. One that said in a six to three decision that the government, that particularly the Biden administration of his own volition without going through Congress, just makes up some rule, makes up some mandate, puts it down on paper and expects everybody to you know, fall in line and do what the great Emperor Biden has written down on paper. Um, so they ruled. I think. I think there was a uh, a victory for freedom with the, with this ruling. I do, um, and I think you can say that while still thinking. And I don't. I'm not saying I believe this without saying you're anti-vax necessarily, right? I mean that's. That's been a, a, a misnomer for a lot of people. In fact, I've seen a lot of people being called anti-vax. In fact, there was a piece I wanted to get to it this week, and maybe we'll get to it time permitting today, where some editorialist for the Los Angeles Times, maybe some leftist paper, which doesn't really help you identify because all of them are leftists pretty much, for, for some leftist news organization, basically wrote a, a column saying, you know, it's kind of okay that we mock and make fun of people who were unvaccinated, um, who who died. I mean, it's just remarkable. These are the people who think they have the moral high ground. <laughs> I just, it is beyond preposterous where we have gotten throughout this whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic and associated government debacle over this with Fauci and all the rest. Now we've got columnists suggesting or even outright saying it's okay to mock and make fun of these people who have died who were not vaccinated. But not everybody who didn't get vaccinated is anti-vax. There may be another another reason. They're not out there. They may have gotten other vaccinations, but maybe they had a problem with this one. Anyway, the bottom line, there was two rulings here. One said that the government could not force, could not force businesses to vaccinate or test weekly their employees at least at least with the president issuing an executive order now if congress comes in and sets which i don't expect this well i don't expect this to happen but you never know right especially with the current makeup of congress if congress actually made um passed a law and biden signed it that would that would change things because that's not really you know why this first mandate was in place that would change the dynamics of that and now suddenly the representative, uh, the, the Congress, who's supposed to be representing the people in the legislative process, would have passed that law. By the way, what we've been saying on here the entire entire time, you know, you just there's there's not just the reaction and what we're being told by the authoritarians. It's the manner in which they're doing it. 
it's not just that they are trying to force people to take a vaccine when they are still able to get COVID, still able to transmit COVID, still able to, at a, at a lesser rate, it appears from the data that we've seen, still able to die from it, though. Um, they There's a lot of reasons for someone to say, look, I've looked at my at my odds of getting sick and being hospitalized and dying from this infection. And I'm concerned about whatever. I'm concerned about side effects from the vaccine itself or what have you. These are, this should go back to freedom, especially when vaccinated people can still transmit it. So what's the logic here? I mean, ultimately what they're saying is that you should be forced to take it because it's going to prolong uh, protect you and prolong people's lives because they won't get as sick as frequently as they do without the vaccine. Um, but again, talking about the importance of freedom, is this really where we want where we want to go? Especially when vaccinated people can still transmit the virus, can still get sick, and all the other things. In fact, you don't have to look far to see this, right? You don't have to look far to see this at all. Um, around the country. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's in, in sports leagues. It's in schools. It's in places that people are 100% vaccinated. Well, Todd, they're not dying as, as frequently. Okay, by the way, I saw a recent study today, or yesterday, I should say. Um, I saw a study that said that the Omicron variant is 91% less fatal 91% less likely to kill a person than previous than, than Delta was. 91%. So we really, if this is true, right, and I'm cautious about all this stuff, whether it's data <laughs> that's telling us how great the vaccine is or it's data telling us how less likely Omicron is to really hurt people, I'm skeptical because we don't, there's so many things that we're still, we don't know, and it's early in, in the game in some of these respects. Uh, as far not with COVID, but in this latest mutation and, and all that, um, but we should be celebrating that. That should be something that we are happy about, right? But do, what do you think about the the other part of the case? So that the court ruled six to three in favor of saying, "Hey, Biden can't force businesses to do this." That needs that needs applause. In fact, the applause you hear right here from my studio is louder than the applause that you heard at Biden's stupid speech this week. Now. In the second ruling, the court ruled five to four that hospitals, health. I want to make sure I get this. It's not just hospitals; it's it's healthcare providers who work in a facility that receives funding from the federal government. If that, so if that's the case, the court ruled in a five to four decision that those. People, which I know affects many of you listening to my or some of you listening to my voice, that part of the mandate was held up. And there's some problems with there's a lot of problems with this, but there's some problems with this that I want to get to next segment. I'll tell you as well the two votes. So there was a six to three vote that stood for the side of liberty in the first decision, first far, uh, the first first part of that decision, and they they ruled that. Um, businesses didn't have to, you know, be forced to get their employees vaccinated or tested weekly and masked and all this sort of stuff. That's a good decision. This other part, not so good. That's why I was asking Oz 
what do you think about this? Is this good? Is this bad? I mean, it's it's good and bad, right? I mean, it's bad for healthcare workers. It's bad for health the healthcare industry. I mean, we had people working in healthcare for a year fighting COVID, going in and risking their their lives and putting themselves at risk and all this for for a year with no vaccine. Suddenly they they lose their jobs if they don't get the vaccine. So now we've got fewer people. Biden just gave a stupid little address or some comments yesterday about having to mobilize military um, healthcare workers. But the reason he has to do that is because how many people have stopped working in healthcare in six states, which he only named five. He thinks five is six now. But in six states, how many of those healthcare workers are no longer in those six states that they now need the military healthcare workers to come in because they've lost a heck of a lot more than 120 in six states. So we've compounded this problem with the way that liberalism thinks, the way that liberalism behaves. I should say authoritarianism. I don't even know if liberalism is the right way to say it anymore. The radical left and the authoritarians in our midst. So if you're a healthcare worker, this isn't, it's not a good ruling for you, but the, the mentality or the thinking here, I'm not saying I agree with this, but the thinking is, hey, if someone is giving you money and you accept it, isn't there an implied or even a, you know, just a direct connection to the reality that that individual organization has at least can set some uh, forth some requirements for you? And is this a real, uh, a, a logical requirement? I would maintain no. I would maintain yes, if you're getting money from someone, they can require you to meet certain criteria, but you can't do it arbitrarily. You can't do it after the fact, and you can't just do it on anything that you want, right? Which is how these things work. This is where slippery slopes are formed. We're past slippery slope, by the way. I don't want to say that that's, it's innocuous what has been done here to healthcare workers because it isn't just innocuous. It's it's problematic. But that ruling was upheld five to four. That part of the mandate was not struck down or ruled unconstitutional. It was upheld five to four, and the two justices that were on the six to three side – that moved to the five to four side, if that makes sense, were Kavanaugh and, of course, Roberts. We knew if anyone were, was going to move um, to the with the liberals, it would be Roberts. And you've heard on here before. I mean, we talked about we don't know yet about Kavanaugh, about Amy Coney Barrett, about Neil Gorsuch. I mean, pretty. If you ever see Alito or Thomas move on something, you should feel pretty confident that the, there's a darn solid constitutional argument for something. Um, you know in a direction that they've, that they've moved. But they didn't move. Neither did Gorsuch and neither did, uh, who was the, who am I forgetting here? Whoever, I can't think of the ninth one right here on the spot. But anyway, Kavanaugh and Roberts joined the liberals on the healthcare mandate side. And the six so-called conservative justices, which I don't like that terminology. You really should have people who interpret the Constitution, the six that try to do that, and the three that, make up anything that they want because they have a desired result, which is, of course, more government, more liberalism, more, you know, statism and that sort of thing. That's really what we've got. It's not conservative versus liberal per se. But anyhow, lots more to say about this, but a timeout is in order. So type my friends back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. You know, every once in a while, I'll be honest with you, I can't. I get to doing something in the break. And I got I got totally absorbed to what I was doing and I heard the music 
kick back on. Uh, and what I was doing, I was talking here with Oz about the Supreme Court's makeup. And I was looking for, because I know I've seen these things before, continuums, right? Continuums with different Supreme Court justices placed along that continuum. From Now, of course, typically the chart is something like more liberal or more conservative or whatever. Again, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think the right way to look at it is justices who really try to interpret the Constitution versus justices who try to well, the Constitution and statutes, the statutory law, as appropriate, citing law and doing what the law tells them to do, right? That's one group, or that's one end of the continuum, I should say. The other end of the continuum should be uh, people, justices who um, cite things like foreign law. Because I've mentioned on here before, you go back, I, I can, I don't know if I have time today, but I've seen justices i think it might have been briar it could have been david Souter from years past as well former supreme court justice but one of those guys at a speech actually said that the supreme court should and could cite foreign law in fact you've if you've listened to this program for any length of time you'll have will have remembered that i have said things like we're a half a step away from citing harry potter novels which we are at that point but I've, I was looking at some of these continuums during the break, and some of them I, I agree with. Some of them are so messed up. But in my mind, you've got you've got two, and, and Alito is not as much as Thomas. Thomas is, to me, if he is the the model, which I know gasp leftists. I'm picking I'm picking the one African American on the Supreme Court. Oh my goodness. Conservatives aren't supposed to do that. See, it's about ideas for us. It's about people who have principle. Who, it doesn't matter all these other things that we're taught to hate and dislike other people about. But Thomas is is the model Supreme Court justice. He really is. And I've shared on here before, the first time, well, when I went to the Supreme Court, the only time, and heard oral arguments, it was a little bit confusing to me. I was 21, so I didn't know a whole lot back then. But it was a little confusing to me to watch Thomas because he literally looked like he was asleep. It wasn't until later that I understood that he was closing his eyes to absorb really the content of the argument and not be distracted by anything else, to focus on the words and the arguments that were being presented. You know, he doesn't ask a lot of questions typically, which people act like that's some sort of a crime. That's just his style. He listens. He tries to apply the law. The guy is fantastic for the Supreme Court. I think Alito is good for the Supreme Court, and I I say him because I, he's been around long enough for us to have some sort of track record with. I think he's good. Now, Scalia was, he and Thomas, to me, were the two, um, I mean, just remarkable Supreme Court justices, right? I mean, and Scalia, of course, passed away um, back in 2016. That was, of course, the one that the Supreme Court vacancy that, caused all the hubbub because Republicans would not even hold a hearing on Obama, at the time President Obama's Merrick Garland nomination. Anyway, so that eventually became Neil Gorsuch, uh, filled that void. Gorsuch, I think, has shown us some very promising things, but again, not been there for long, and there's some things that maybe sometimes makes one question, uh, maybe isn't sure. Kavanaugh, to me, is much more concerning 
I think. In fact, I was just looking. He's been in the majority decision 86% of the time, according to something I just read here during the break, um, which some people say that's – I think that's the greatest thing in the world. But to me, when you look at some of the decisions we've seen, Thomas is the lowest. He's at 72%. I think it's much better to be associated with Thomas than it is to be associated with the majority if the majority is not agreeing with Thomas. But I'm concerned about Kavanaugh, where he's going to end up on the spectrum here. Um, John Roberts is one that, I mean, he's literally a coin toss in a lot of these decisions. And Amy Coney Barrett, we don't know as much about either. I don't I don't get the feel. I, I feel like she'll fall somewhere between Gorsuch and, and Kavanaugh and Roberts. But I think it goes Thomas, most conservative, Alito and or Gorsuch, depending upon how this all plays out, then probably Amy uh, Coney Barrett. Am I skipping somebody here? And then Roberts is closer to the to the left, right? So, but that's how the court the court you know is is you know, made up and how they ruled. Um, we, we we hit on hit on that last last segment. What else did I want? Oh, I did want to talk about the rationale. The rationale for why this court, including the three liberals and Roberts and Kavanaugh, upheld Biden's mandate for ma- mandating healthcare workers get vac- vaccinated. There's more detail to it, but I'm trying to keep it con- concise here. So the thinking is the thinking is that. If, and I alluded to this last segment, if the federal government is giving money, the federal government has some say in what sorts of stipulations are maybe tied with getting funding or you know what uh, what is reasonable to expect from people that you can you know contract with or give money to, which on one level makes sense, but you can't apply that to everything. You can't say you in order to get this money, you have to vote. For tax increase, you know, support candidates who want tax increases, or vote for Joseph Bi- Joseph R. Biden, or to you know have a be able to have a, a Facebook account, which is kind of what happens anyway. But you, can't, you just can't say anything, right? There has to be a. This is why you need people who are fair and applying the law and and, and really piecing these pieces of the puzzle together. Um. That's an important part of this process that I think we we miss out on a lot because we don't have a lot of that. We do with Thomas. I'm telling you, Thomas, Gorsuch, Alito, Amy Coney Barrett, maybe. I mean, we're still waiting, but you get the point. I went through that. But there's a – I was telling Oz before the show, we need politicians to come in and not just stop the drifting towards liberalism. We have to dismantle – the things that they've put in place to get us here. Because you can understand why a Supreme Court justice would say, well, if you're getting federal dollars, you, it's reasonable that you would have to at least abide by some federal rules. Just take away the specifics. I mean, you can see the logic of that, right? The, the problem is this isn't the way this country was founded to work. This isn't the way this country was founded to work. And I got to take a break. Oz is about to lose her mind. I'm not paying attention to the clock. But I want to talk about that after the break. I want to talk about the mistakes that we have allowed, we as conservatives, we as lovers of this country, we as uh, lovers of the Constitution, 
how we've allowed this to get out of hand. And it's not enough to just try to stop it. We actually have to make some progress to dismantle this behemoth of a bureaucratic state that the left has created. And Oz asked me before the show, she said, well, who's going to do that? I said, Trump, I, look, I'm just, maybe, maybe DeSantis. I don't know, but it's not your average Republican politician because it's not just to stop the stuff that they're trying to do next. It's to go back and take back the ground that we've lost. Oh, my friends, that is a much, much tougher road to hoe for the average person, for the average politician than it is to simply stand right now against the next latest ridiculous radical concept and idea. Quick time out, though, my friends, back here in just a minute. So I want to really quickly get through this, and then I want to talk about something else, have a little fun <laughs> with some of the stuff. I tell you what, some of the stuff that uh, that we're subjected to from not all politicians, but in particular the radical left in this administration. I mean, it is well, approval ratings down to thirty three percent now, thirty three percent inflation at a forty year high. I mean, this it, it could. I don't want to say it couldn't get worse because it always can get worse. But in another sense, it couldn't get worse for Democrats after one year. Folks, we are not even at the one-year mark yet. Crazy. But let, let me wrap up what I was talking about last segment with the court with this decision um, pertaining to vaccine mandates. The problem that we have, as I said last segment, the problem is that we – have to dismantle the progress, the unconstitutional progress the left has made. And let me explain what I mean by that in this particular example. So it seems reasonable to say if someone gets money from the government, um, whatever, some sort of money tied to something, it's not unreasonable to have some stipulations and um, some requirements or some some ways that they have to abide by some rules and so forth. So it sounds innocuous. I'm not saying it is in this case because you you then have to say, well, what does vaccination really do um, for someone else versus just the person who's vaccinated? I mean, they can still transmit it. I don't want to go through all that. But the point is there's not a whole lot of reasons to say why you should be vaccinated in order just to protect someone else. Maybe there's reasons for someone to be vaccinated to protect themselves. But again, I mean, so is the number of cheeseburgers you can eat. I mean, this there's a whole sorts of things that this could get into and that some folks are already hoping, candidly, that it gets into. And I'll tell you another thing, and I'm not going to get into this today, but be prepared for things in the future to come across like climate emergencies. I'm telling you right now, they will. they've seen how quickly people have fallen into line and have kind of become crazy in their pursuit of following government dictates and mandates here. You can't drive your car if it's above a certain temperature. I mean, this could go any number of directions here, right? I mean, this just be ready for this. There's people already already clamoring for this. It doesn't have a lot of public attention at this point, but it is out there. I've read it, and we talked about it. We told you that these are the sorts of things that happen. Anyway, we where we made a mistake conservatives, Republicans, was when we changed the way that funding in this country worked. At one point in our history, states raised 
taxes from their citizens or whatever their taxation system was. And then that money was paid to the federal government. Now, my friends, what happens is the federal government, and it took it took an actual amendment to the U.S. Constitution. It was so antithetical to the way the founders thought to directly levy a tax on citizens on their income, right? The federal government to do that. It took a constitutional amendment for that change to take place, a constitutional amendment. Now what happens is the individual is taxed by the federal government and Biden wants to give more IRS agents the authority to audit people and all sorts of things. This is going to cause havoc on people that don't have teams of attorneys and and you know internal controls because tax law, my friends, is not easy for the average person to navigate and understand. So, but now that's the the model to fund. Now there's other, of course, ways that government's funded as well, but that's that's a big part of it. Corporate taxes and, and individual taxes. States aren't you know doing sending checks to DC anymore. Now it's the opposite. Now you have individuals who are having their incomes taken, confiscated, whatever. I'm not saying all taxes are bad, but we've certainly reached a point where we have too many taxes. And so now the federal government gets that money directly. And if you now they hold this control, they have this carrot to dangle. Now, if you want to do this, government or state X or school district Y or Hospital Z will give you this money, but now you have to you know, comply. And by the, the Supreme Court justice's decision, what they basically said was, if it didn't work that way, people in the healthcare industry would have at least, probably, at least arguably, would have been able to be considered the same as regular employees, and a 6-3 to three decision would have been in favor of their not being forced to have a vaccine mandate. As well, so when we think about these problems, we can't just think and accept where we are on the continuum. We have to think in terms of restoring, and I know that that is a massive undertaking. But we've got to begin the process of pushing back against that. I'm talking. I mean, I'm I'm talking some some massive changes that involves at some point in this process. <laughs> the IRS. We don't need that. Doesn't need to be a thing, folks. I mean, it will be for the long, probably for the rest of my lifetime, but we can move, we should be moving things back, fighting back and pushing that way instead of just basically digging in and hoping the Democrats don't breach our defenses at some point along the line again to where we have to retreat and we'll dig more trenches and sit there until they breach our line again. They're always on offense, always. Doesn't matter the score, doesn't matter how many times they lose on things like gay marriage, it does not matter. They they never stop. They never stop. And our side says, "Well, I guess that was good while it lasted. We better adjust and, you know, play a, you know, dig ourselves into the to the latest position here and play defense once again and hope they don't breach our lines again." Of course they will. And then we'll continually take steps back. That why that's why someone like Trump is so appealing to people cuz Trump says, "Forget the defense. I'm going on offense." And man, I wish more conservatives, more Republicans would think like that. Quick time out, my friends, back here in just a minute. (music) 
All right, I've got to get to this really quickly. This is an interview that Kamala Harris had uh, with um, NBC. I don't know. I'm just trying to get to this quickly. But I want you to listen to this response. Listen to the amount of – this is beyond – unacceptable, bizarre, and embarrassing. Just listen to this. Listen to the question. At what point does the administration say, and you know the response the strategy is working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter should urging I, the administration to change course, to change strategy. Should I mic this question, by the way? It is time for us to mm-hmm. do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. What? Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. I mean, that is beyond bizarre. In fact, it reminds me, my goodness, it reminds me of one of my favorite shows. This is what it reminds me of. This is a... A clip from The Office. This is Michael Scott talking to David You're Wallace. Not our most traditional guy, but clearly, tell me if it doesn't sound like this. Is right, and I just I need to get a sense of what that is. <laughs> David, here He's it is. My it. philosophy is basically this, mm-hmm. and this is something that I live by, and I always have, mm-hmm. and I always will. <laughs> Don't ever, mm-hmm. for any reason, no. do anything to anyone. For any reason, mm-hmm. ever, no matter what, no matter where mm-hmm. or who or who you are with mm-hmm. or or where you are going right. or or where you've been. Tracking here. Ever. For any reason <laughs> whatsoever. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. That's right. Like an improv conversation. An improvisation. An improvisation. This year. An improvisation. So that that's what that was. We literally have Michael Scott as or Kamala Harris playing Michael Scott or whatever in the White House. Folks, it is as bad as po- they can't even formulate an idea. She was also asked, I don't have time to play this. She was also asked about running the, what the 2024 ticket would look like, and she literally had no idea what to even say. I think she expected some questions about ice cream and puppies and bunnies or something because it was an embarrassing performance. Absolutely. We're not even a year in. What an unmitigated disaster and train wreck, and even people that don't follow politics closely know it. Quick time out, my friends, back in just a minute. I tell you, if you don't, if you don't watch The Office, um, it is worth. I, I don't know. It's not. It's not for everybody's sense of humor, but man, it is fantastic to me. And especially when you realize that I don't know Biden. Biden may be what part Creed. If you watch The Office, Biden may be a lot of part Michael Scott. Although Michael Scott makes a whole lot more sense than Joseph R. Biden does. Um, maybe Biden has a little bit of, I I mean, you can probably find different, uh, aspects of each character. Kevin Malone, Biden sometimes makes about as much sense as Kevin as well. Um, and of course Kamala, I mean, she did her best Biden, excuse me, Michael Scott impersonation with that, as you heard from the soundbite, but this is an unmitigated disaster. Everybody knows it, even people who don't follow politics. And that my friends is important. It really is. And I think, you know, now's the time. Now's the time to not just 
try to get people to vote for the Constitution in the next election, but but to change minds and to reformulate what the Constitution is about in the minds of people. Got to go, folks. SDG, take care.